It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. All right, Corey, you ready? Yeah, yeah, I am. You wash your hands? No. I've been bad. <laughs> and that was one of the most ridiculous things in this movie uh, this week on the B-Movie Breakdown. Uh, our movie this week, 1996, Barbed Wire. Starring the one, the only, Pamela Anderson Lee. I'm just going with Anderson. I never liked that Lee on the end. Plus, when she was first on Baywatch. She liked the Lee on the end. Well, not anymore. Now she likes Scuzzball Kid Rock on No, apparently she likes Lee again. Really? Yeah, I looked that up. They're trying to make things work. Ah, bitches be crazy. Looked up some uh, info on Miss Pamela Anderson Lee and uh, some of her uh, personal life details. Uh, You know, speaking of personal details, I got used to seeing her on Baywatch where she went by her full name, Pamela Denise Anderson. So that got stuck in my head. So just... Pamela Anderson always felt wrong to me. And Pamela Anderson Lee, like, my God, she's changing her name more times than fucking Prince or Roseanne Barr. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, this week our movie was Barbed Wire, starring Pamela Anderson and basically nobody else. You got Udo Kier, you got Tiny Lister, you got a few people here and there, but nobody really named in this movie other than Pamela Anderson. She's the only one. She's the only star, and why Why not? Because she was uh, pretty big at the time, not just uh, on Baywatch, her boobs as well. <laughs> yeah, I think she actually had breast reduction surgery at one point, but this was uh, pre-reduction, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I think she got reduction, and then she got them back again. Oh, wow. I feel like that happened. I could uh, be wrong, but maybe she didn't. Uh, something to do with the hep, you know? Fucking broads, man. Yeah, fucking broads and their hepatitis. Well, before we get any further into this, uh, I'm Corey. I'm DRC. And we are about to take you on an adventure through the humor and enjoyment in low-budget, lesser-known films of the past and present. Home of the good, the bad, and the the what-the-fuck, or movies with just no plot, and boobs, and guns, and explosions. You know, uh, I really doubt this is low-budget. Sadly, it wasn't available what the budget was on the wiki page, but it only grossed a little less than $3.8 million. (laughs) But I'm proud to say, me and my mother and my sister saw it in theaters when it opened <laughs> in May of 96. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you can listen to us if you subscribe on iTunes, our website, bnbpodcast.com, or on Stitcher. You can reach us on our site or email bnbpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter at bnbpodcast, or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash bnbpodcast. Somebody who did send us some thoughts on this week's movie was uh, a guest of ours who... Due to scheduling conflicts, hasn't been able to join us, but he did watch the movie this week. Uh, our good friend Nikki Tyranno had some thoughts about this movie, and I'll uh, go ahead and read those right now. You know a movie is going to be good when it starts with a text summary of events over explaining a, complica- a complicated chain of events or a video montage of Pam Anderson during the final battle of Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Barbwire is more progressive as a more progressive Sin City because the main character is an anti-hero and a whore. <laughs> and he also put, Barbed Wire is the future of Obama's America. <laughs> yes. Since this movie does take place four years from now. Or, 
2017. 2017. The worst year of my life. Or six years from now, because one time they mentioned it was 2019. Ooh. I was really thrown off by that. I miss that. I usually watch for those things. Yeah, I was really, really thrown off when they said that possibly this was 2019 instead. I was just like, oh, okay. I Plot guess. Hole. Yeah, seriously. Uh, one of the main catchphrases in this movie, don't call me babe, which she says quite a few times, was apparently because it came from the original advertising for the Barbed Wire Dark Horse comic, in which she said those words to differentiate herself from a buxom, slightly airy comic book heroine named Babe at the time. So it worked in the comic, not so much in the movie. Uh, sadly, the well, comic... I'm not sure much worked in the comic, because... <laughs> yeah, sadly, uh, after the film's disappointing release, this comic book ended up going under. Well, see, I thought the comic book had, had to have pre-existed for them to be basing a movie off it. The regular series only lasted nine issues, and they later did a four-issue miniseries called Ace of Spades in 98. You'd think they would have followed up the movie with that, but no. Here's two years later, after the movie tanked, Here's four more issues. So only 13 issues total, and that's all that became of comic book Barb Wire. I also found out that oh, the opening wet strip scene in which Barb dances in a strip club with her breasts hanging out of her rubber dress all being sprayed with water was suggested by Pamela Anderson after she was inspired by a nightmare she had <laughs> in which she was being sprayed with champagne while performing a nasty dance. <laughs> Wow. David Hogan, who was under pressure to include more nudity, liked the idea and threw throughout the movie's original opening to include it. Any idea what the original opening was? No idea. Oh, boo. Though I do, I did read that at one point, Adam Rifkin was supposed to direct this movie, and they replaced him with the less experienced David Hogan. And Adam Rifkin, I really like. He did on the movie The Chase with uh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah. He kidnapped her with a candy bar. Yeah, yeah. He did The Chase. He did Detroit Rock City. Homo Erectus is another film of his I really liked. And he's done a lot of really good stuff. And he wrote the movie Small Soldiers. And <laughs> Homo Erectus. He's Small Soldiers. <laughs> but yeah, I really like Adam Rifkin. And it's uh, I wonder what the movie would have been like had he been able to direct it instead of. David Hogan, who had done nothing. He's literally done, I think, one other movie. Possibly. Most Wanted with De uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. That's hmm. it. Other than that, music, a couple music videos. And he was second unit director on Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, I just don't... I don't get it. They just... Uh. And, um... Well, we were talking about in the beginning, you get some boobs right off the right off the bat. You get your boobs. Well, she's teasing at first, then like uh, I was just like, oh, oh, can you maybe see nips? Because I was thinking like, oh, they're not going to show nips, and like, oh, I think I saw one. No, I don't know. Uh, oh, yep, there's nips. There's yeah. nips. Apparently, there's an, uh, a longer version of the opening title sequence uh, that was supposed to be after the credits. Must have been only theatrical because uh, it definitely wasn't on the Netflix version of the movie. There was no longer strip scene. I did watch and. Was not there, but uh, as far as the movie with Pam Anderson, I thought there would have been more boobs. Saying, like she, her boobs are like hanging out basically the entire fucking time, but she only like showed like full on boob like a few times. Well, some side, think, you got some side. I think at that point, it was in her best interest to only tease and not just like 
here's my boobs the whole movie or else how am I going to get people to pay for my Playboy spreads, you know? Yeah, true. And then, and then she had the sex tape had come out by that point and had it? I thought it was a little after that. Yeah, I thought the sex tape had uh had already hit by then. The whole Tommy Lee and her. I thought that yeah, I'm pretty sure. Here we'll go. I'll look it up. I that was sex a year tape or two controversy. Later. Boom. It doesn't say a year. Of course it doesn't fucking say a year. Anyways, well, Frames of the... Okay, 98. Yeah, see. 98, I was wrong. For some reason I thought it had already happened. So, Paris, she was the, the Kim Kardashian of the 90s, the Paris Hilton, before all... Before before getting famous off a of sex tape was a big deal. Because oh. she was already famous before the sex tape happened. Right. Though, didn't she have one with Brett Michaels that happened before that, but... Never leaked. I don't know a that. damn thing about the Kardashians, and I am quite proud of that fact. So, well, I, I just know that you. she was in a. Well, everybody knows she was in that fucking sex tape. That's why she's famous. I didn't even know that. Well, that's why I she's honestly famous. didn't even know that. Well, well, now you know. That's how she became famous from a goddamn sex tape. Yay! Yay! Well, anyway, what I was gonna say was at least Pamela Anderson can act, but ha ha! <laughs> wow, ha, is I almost feel like Pamela Anderson is a cyborg. A cyborg. Like, she was made in a lab somewhere, you know, she has, like, the perfect breasts, like, she's, like, this Barbie doll-looking <laughs> person, and she can act like a we fucking... We can rebuild her. We can make her stronger, faster, with bigger boobs, but no emotional conve- <laughs> conveyance whatsoever. Seriously, she, like, was, like, a... They might as well just had, like, a piece of wood in a leather suit, just standing there the whole... Just sitting there the whole time, because her acting was unbelievably bad. You know, I, I have to admit that. I even kind of liked this movie the second time around, but yes, her, her acting was terrible, and this is why I hate so many of these pretty boy pussy movie stars like Channing Tatum and Justin Timberlake, because they might look good, they might have decent bodies, but you know what? When it comes time to deliver the goods in an action movie, they can't do it because they have no fucking balls. Oh, yeah. You don't believe them as being like the alpha male, the hero, the leader... You know, the fucking good guy in general. You don't believe it at all, because they have no fucking, you know... Ugh. Oh, yeah. They don't have any force of delivery. They're just like, uh, well, uh... Justin Timberlake's a sad sack little mama's boy the entire <laughs> time in the movie In Time. It just, uh, it made me so mad. I wish they would have... If it weren't for the fact that he doesn't look so young anymore, instead of having Vincent Carthizer from Mad Men as the bad guy, I would have rather had him as the good guy. But anyway. Yeah, you know what? I'm not a really big fan of Channing Tatum until 21 Jump Street. I thought he was funny in that. I was like, why doesn't this dude just stick to comedy? I, I was like, yeah, he's legit no. funny in this movie. I don't know if it was, I mean, I'm sure the writing had a lot to do with it as well. But he was legit funny. I was like, this dude, he's funny. Like, why doesn't he just like, If you can do comedy? comedy, that's great. But don't don't try to be an action hero if you can't you know, be really, convincing. But we got White House Down coming out with him. And, you know, Jamie Foxx. So. Yay. Yay. Woo. So, I, I did love the backstory to this movie. This whole second American Civil War. And every city is under martial law except for Steel Harbor. This yes, is this whole, island that exists God knows where. And I, and I also thought what was really funny was the uh, cover of the song Word Up. That played during the opening credits. Oh, I wasn't really paying attention to the music. But, uh, oh, I played during the very opening credits. It was a it was a rap song by the by the group Cameo in the eighties. Word up, 
but in the opening credits, it was a like metal, shitty metal version of it by some I don't know what group it was. I don't know any of the groups in this in this movie. One almost sounded like Rob Zombie, but I ended up looking it up, and it wasn't Rob Zombie. So it was just some sort of knockoff oh, at oh, the time or something. Music like that. connection, music connection. This was uh, shot in '95, released in '96. I saw Shampoo, British pop duo. Did the song, the song "Don't Call Me Babe," who also did the shoehorned in their song from the first Power Rangers yes. movie, "Trouble." Yeah, there we go. Uh oh, there's our the first of many shitty B movie connections here. <laughs> I'll bring up more as we go along. Some of her, we were mentioning before her delivery, and some of them were just so bad. Like, ever see Batman? And oh she yeah, shoots the grappling hook. <laughs> God, it was just so un- unbelievably insane. I did love how this movie takes place in 2017. Like, okay, this is four years from right now. Okay, is this what's going to happen? Some new president gets elected. Martial law goes under 2016. You know, whole world goes to shit. Oh yeah, I'm I'm still amused too by going back at like some of the old NES games where they have uh, in the year 2000. All this crazy shit's gonna happen. <laughs> And we're here, it's like, no, not really. Yeah. Or like, uh, the original Mega Man games, it was 2000X, like somewhere between 2000 2009, robots are going to be everywhere, and Dr. <laughs> Wily's going to try to take over the world, I'm still sitting here in my bunker ready for Dr. Wily's invasion. Some people took it really seriously, man. You know, they're waiting, they think that's what's happened, they're down there just sitting just waiting to come out, waiting to be the Mega Man. Why can't why can't these guys be on Doomsday Preppers? You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting. I know one of these days Samus is gonna fail us, and the Metroids are gonna reach Earth. <laughs> one thing that left me really confused in this movie, and many things left me very very confused because there was no plot. There was n- I don't honestly don't if I was to tell try to tell somebody what this movie was about. I don't know what to tell them. There was a plot, but it just wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, it's about, like I said before, there's this backstory. Which they don't like really give war, you much of. And she is a, essentially a bounty hunter. Right? That's what Mercenary. She, she, yeah, but she's almost like a bounty hunter. In the beginning of the movie, she's going and capturing people for other people. Yeah. So she's essentially just and like basically like some I, form of I know hunter. she's doing it for money to survive and all that, but she comes and like rescues this girl that's been kidnapped, just presumably to be sold into sex slavery. So she takes her to her British parents, and they're like, uh, "Oh, well, there's a problem. We could only come up with half the money." And she's like, "Half the money? That's fine. I'll just take half your daughter." Like, really? You're really gonna kill an innocent teenage girl just because they don't have all your money? <laughs> Well, she ends up taking their car and stranding them in the middle of nowhere. But still, like, just the... uh, It was just like, wow. Well, I just love how they stranded them in the middle of nowhere, which they probably end up getting got killed anyways. You know what? They might have. And uh, I'm sure they ended up getting murdered. Don't call me Miss Kopetsky. She died in the war. I'm a bitch now. (laughs) You know, uh... Okay, another really confusing thing I was going to get to before was... What was that contraption they had on that woman? Oh my god, yes. Okay, okay. This is this is actually semi-scientific, what they did of, like, the brain scanning. Yeah, the actually, brain scanning, I actually yeah. saw on, I think it was what one were of those the other parts, shows. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> they have this woman, one of the resistance fighters, captured in this thing. They're torturing her, and they're trying to, like, scan her brain at the same time so that even if she doesn't talk, 
They can read her brain waves and see what she's picturing in her head to try to get something to go off of that way. They're actually developing that technology right now. I saw it on, I don't know if it was through the wormhole or how the universe works with Morgan Freeman. They're actually doing that, and that's hmm. pretty fucking scary. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but but they've got her naked on this table with basically just like this, um, this like, uh... Machinery. Iron iron um bra and like panties on and that whatever that is it's hooked up to shit and that's torturing her somehow and it basically looks like just this creepy ass s&m thing oh she's got like a like a half like borg thing on one side of her head with like the, the weird thing sticking yeah. out of where her eye would be and like they just like she's not talking hit her again when they jolt her doesn't really sound so much like they're torturing her but sexually stimulating her yeah that's so right basically just I hit her again I literally wrote down is this thing fucking her yeah. or what is it doing <laughs> like I was really confused and I was also confused because anytime they said hit her again they'd show the guys with like the controls uh-huh. you know so and then at the end the very last thing the guy does. He goes, well, that's it. She's not going to talk, whatever. He goes up to that screen and just starts touching it. Like, as if he's doing something to <laughs> yeah. her brain. That was wonderful. No, I assume, but, but then I assume they he's the- reaching for the screen, but he's really going at the bean. <laughs> that's probably, honestly, what was happening. I... I because I keep just like rubbing it, and then but then they show the guys with the controls still. But these uh, these fascist fucks that have taken over the U.S. government—they're basically Nazis, uniforms and everything. They look like ridiculous, over-the-top Nazis. I just imagine him like, uh, well, Herr Fraunlein, we've we've determined that a woman can only sustain 127 orgasms in a row before her brain goes. You are at 126. <laughs> Will you not talk now? <laughs> yeah, it was. And there really wasn't a whole lot of character development with any character. They kind of just brought you to them, gave you a little bit, and then that was it. Like her brother, I felt like there could have been more behind him or something. Uh, He was ridiculous. He's just an alcoholic drunk. Even when the bar's getting shot up towards the end of the movie, still goes to grab his uh, scotch and soda. Whatever well, they're drinking. saying he's supposed to be an alcoholic, but he seems a lot more together than like somebody who's supposedly uh, as hardcore of an alcoholic as they said he was. Oh, yeah. Except for when he's talking to that girl and he's like, want to do some breeding? Well, why not? You're fucking blind. You know, you're just like, hey, suck my dick. I got <laughs> blinded in the war. Support your country, your freedom fighters. I did love when she went to go save him from under the bar when it's getting shot, and they had that slow motion shot of her hitting that guy with his walking stick. (laughs) And it like she hits him so like lightly, Uh like it looked like it would have just like you would have just been like, oh, okay, what you doing? Oh, I I love going back and looking at like you know like as a kid, I just assumed like action movies, everybody hits so hard, people go flying all over the place, and seeing all these ridiculous you know like punches and kicks she'll deliver just like sending people flying all over the place like um going back and revisiting power rangers like yep kimberly's kicking this guy so hard he flies over a car (laughs) well and the character of barbed wire is almost like a female batman which i mean is batgirl you know what i mean but she is kind of like batman-esque as in she's got like gadgets she does like the, you know, she has like the cream, the uh, spray on the wall for the yeah for her the shaving explosion. cream C four. What the fuck which, is that about? Which it reminded me of playing um, Arkham City game that just came out for Batman. You have a thing that you can do that with. 
Huh. You go around like spaces and you can blow holes and things. Well, remember like that. this: barbed wire did it first. <laughs> well, that's what made me feel like she's kind of like it. Just it just if Pamela Anderson just wasn't such a bad actress. Like I guess at least the only the the, the really what they were going for was that she's hot. Oh yeah, you know well, what of I mean. Course. You got that's just what it is. It's just she's she's hot. So that's all that matters. That's I mean, you really don't have to do. Oh, you know who else was in this movie? We were saying that many you know, notable pe- notable people were in this movie. Clint Howard was in this movie. Yes, and I feel he's a pretty familiar face with most people. Clint Howard, the uh, the goofy like uber Jew stereotype. He's wearing like what looked like a Star of David. Turns out it was just a pentagram. But like, uh, I I thought that was pretty shitty and over the top. And what was but it? he among his credits includes some of our or some of your. <laughs> Past uh, B movie escapades of the Wraith, uh, the Wraith, yeah, humanoids from the deep, yep, yep, <laughs> House of the Dead, yeah, which you have the poster mounted on your <laughs> wall down here, yeah, he's... and I didn't even know about this Beethoven's Fifth. <laughs> Fuck the world. There have been five Beethoven <laughs> movies. Fuck the world. Uh, yeah, Clint Howard. He's in a lot of movies. Uh, obviously, his brother Ron Howard. He's in all around Howard's movies. He, he's 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 a lot, a lot of B horror movies, uh, tons and tons of them. Ice Cream Man is one of them where he's the star. Yo, he uh, and Udo Kier, who played uh, Barb's Alfred type character in this movie, were curly. both were both in the remake of Halloween by Rob Zombie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Yeah, there you go. Another odd barbed wire connection here. Uh, so when she meets Clint Howard, she demands Canadian money. That's not explained. Well, why they, they want the Canadian money? They so didn't bad. have to explicitly explain this because oh, there's a crisis going on. You know the and you want the fascist fucks are trying to take over America, and everybody wants to flee to Canada. Yeah, but she never well, said she wanted to leave, so I wasn't really sure why she was saving up Canadian money just in case she ever had to leave. Just just because it, in a state like this where the government's in flux, I would assume the money would either. Not be worth anything at all, or be worth a lot less, or people be going back and forth, or do I use old free U.S. dollars, or do I use the new fascist fuck dollars, or what the hell? So at that time, I would think Canadian currency would just be stronger overall. And if you're in this place, this last free city, or you got visitors all over the place, you'd probably want to have, you know, whatever currency is worth more. Like if I were in another country with a lot of tourists, I'd probably want to have euros. Yeah. It's very true. But then she demanded the Canadian money. Like, it was a big big ordeal with her and Clint Howard's character. She gets the money, and she doesn't even count it. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty dumb. She just took off, and then he shorted her money. Like, later on, you find out he shorted her money. So I was, like, I was like thinking back, like, I wrote that down. Like, why didn't she count the money right away? <laughs> like, uh... why? If, if, if she's not going to count the money, why address it later? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Just let it be like, oh, she's a badass, you know, she she's so badass, she always gets what she wants. Not, oh yeah, I fucked up, I should have counted my money, and you shorted me a million dollars. Oh boy. It was really, really fucking weird. Well, you know what, let's talk about her club, the Hammerhead Bar. The head, the, just the same house band to play every night, along oh, yeah. with a DJ. And, and... Every time they cut to it from the outside, somebody's always beating the shit out of somebody else outside this place. You'd think, even though it's not happening inside the club, the bouncers would still be like, hey, get the fuck out of here. No, oh no, there's bum fights out here every night. That guy, I love when she walks out later in the movie, a guy just like pukes right behind her, like full on. You just see, <laughs> and she's just like, well, whatever. Like, 
you'd think she'd take a little bit better care of not just her club, but, you know, the and immediate surroundings. Why did some of the people dress like they were in, like, a noir? Oh, yeah, some people dress like they are in, like, a, a 1920s noir movie. Some people dress like, you know, it's one of these weird typical dystopian future. Some of them dress like it was an S&M club and like the bar just seemed to be all these things plus. is very weird. And, and the whole noir thing comes out of this movie's plot is loosely based on the plot of Casablanca. Yeah, you know, I love a lot of a lot of the like costumes sort of fit in with this weird murky future that we're in, but when she goes on her moonlighting mission, which they lead you to believe is prostitution at first, and she goes and uh Rescues this guy to bring him to Schmitz there for her new bounty to make payroll for her guys at the club. She, um, you know, she blows the hole through the wall with her shaving cream C4. The guys on the other side look like 1920s gangsters. Yeah. Why? And then those black guys that walk in the club, the fr- when they first show the club, they look like 1920s gangsters. It was really, really weird. Oh, yeah, they're like weapons check. Oh, and I love that. one guy pulls out two handguns, and then the guy behind him pulls out a giant fucking shotgun. I love that. They had the whole gun check thing. You even had a little ticket to get your guns back <laughs> at the, when you left the bar. I thought that was fucking hilarious. The You were mentioning her going to that place with the fat guy, which was where they do the S&M thing, and he's like, oh, I've been bad. Uh... <laughs> Like, you want to slip into something a little more comfortable? I was thinking a little less comfortable. <laughs> I love how when he first meets her, he gives, she gives her that, she gives him that card with her, like, prostitution thing on it. Uh, it says, like, clean a clean bill of health as of this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a thing for prostitutes to have. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. If- if the United States government had any sense whatsoever, they would legalize it and regulate it, and this would be a thing, and they would stop the spread of STDs to a certain degree, but they don't want to do that because they're treating it as a moral thing. No, it's a public health thing. It's a public safety thing. It should be legal. It's a very good idea. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. And I love the the very noir voiceover throughout the whole movie. It had that noir feel of like the detective, like, yeah, I remember a day when it was going on. <laughs> it was a bad time. It was like, I don't know, she was awful at doing it, but I thought it was oh, yeah. hilarious. Um, and then they had a dog at the club, Camille, yeah, who only dog, played a f- Rottweiler, who only played like a role a few times in the movie, uh, especially when this drunk guy comes barging in the club in the morning for whatever reason, demanding drinks. Yeah, this scene was not connected to anything else, but you know, it's like well into the morning after and this drunk guy comes in wanting a drink and just like, blah, blah, blah. she's just like. Meal package check. The dog runs up and bites him in the junk, and she's like, "Sit and like yanks him down while still got his junk." Do you want to see him roll over? Uh-huh. <laughs> now find your manners and get out of here. Oh, sorry. Or um, when when the Arab guy comes in, he's like, "I've got fifteen hundred dollars for a night with Miss Wire." And like, "Sorry, your money's no good here." What? Uh, she's not taking private appointments tonight. Take it up with her secretary. It's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't want to mess with that dog. Uh, you know what one character I did really, really enjoy? Because it was just so insane. Commander Spike. The female general with the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voice changing. Yeah. I wish she would have been apparatus. in more. Sadly, she's only in the one scene. Then we cut back to her. She's dead. <laughs> Like that's but like she's movie. got like a she's got like a big scar running up one uh, like at the side of her mouth running up her face almost like the Joker, but like um not you know all 
sketchy and, you know, covered with makeup and shit. And, uh, you know, you're talking about connections to other movies. One of Clint Howard's goons, who remember they have him frozen in the ice? Mm -hmm. That guy played the other, the second Viking in the Baywatch Nights episode. Oh my god! (laughs) He had the ponytail just in the back of the head. He that guy's when we watched that when we did that those uh, Baywatch nights. That's what I said. I was like, this guy's in so many '90s action movies. Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it was so funny. In this movie, he's frozen in ice. Like, <laughs> and he was frozen when Baywatch nights we watched. It was like very weird. Ah, uh, talk about your typecasting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, David Hasselhoff just pops out of the door. <laughs> oh my god, I bet you that poor bastard's gonna wake up in a tub of ice in another situation too. Like, uh, fuck! They only took my kidney because I was typecast. <laughs> I blame Hasselhoff for this one. <laughs> uh, you know, and they did, and we were talking about her, the boobs, her boobs only being shown really only in the beginning. And then one late, one time later on, she's walking with a robe, and one of her tits is just hanging out. Yeah, and wasn't she changing behind a screen before that? Like, no, I'll make sure I have my robe on before I step out. Oh, no, fuck it. Boob yeah. flash. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, she had the robe on because she was in the bathtub. Oh, right, right, And then right, they showed right, up right. at the place, and she went down in the elevator okay. with the guy with the robe on. So, yeah, and then she's just walking around. She has the robe fully on, but then she, when she's walking away, her boobs, her tits just hanging out. I was like, oh, tit chat. Nice. Here we go. That's when the cops showed up. Well, yeah. One more thing before we kind of danced around it, but when she's um, rescuing that guy to take to Schmitz, the two guys she's fighting, the two 1920s gangsters, she tangles with one and, like, opens the fridge, like, shoves him in there, halfway shuts the door on him, and then shoots him through the fridge door instead of just reaching over and making sure bullets actually hit him and kill him. <laughs> Why shoot him through the fridge door? I mean, maybe they'll get through, maybe they won't, but, uh, whatever. So she, she beats the other guy up. I think he's unarmed at this point, so she goes to get the guy off the bed, and he's just like, uh, something calls her babe, and then she just, don't call me babe, and shoots him, like, like half a dozen times, which, even though he was, you know, getting shot back, he wouldn't be thrown through a window, but he is anyway. And somehow, despite not any wires being in the way, he gets a noose around his neck, falls out the window, and hangs himself. <laughs> Gotta love the overkill in this movie. Yeah, this movie was absolutely... Uh, even uh, Nick, who had sent us some thoughts in the movie, uh, he didn't make it all the way through the movie. He he had it on, and it went finished through, but he just had it on in his background noise at one point, because he just was just like this is ridiculous and boring and uh, my actually my favorite character in the movie other than commander spike was big fatso <laughs> because what a character oh a, i forgot a giant look- a giant fat man who basically lives in a the the, the in a front shovel front of shovel a, of a bulldozer yeah yep that's where he lives he doesn't you know yeah. i uh i to be honest, I really don't buy Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars, this big, fat, immobile blob being like an international or intergalactic mob boss. I don't buy this guy being, <laughs> you know, a, a fucking Mad Max gang boss, because what's he going to do? This gang mutinies, what's he going to do? Oh, they could just throw a grenade up there and blow him up like they do in yeah. the movie. Yeah, well, at least Jabba the Hutt can move around. Yeah, but not very well. Yeah, they can just like slide around like slugs. Big fat, so I don't see him going too many places ever. 
Uh, th- but I just loved his name. She, Brit- she gives him tribute and like throws up a big greasy fast food bag. Yeah. Like, here's a little gift for you, big fatso. I just loved his name. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I really thought that was supposed to be like an insult, but oh no, that's my name. Thanks. Yeah, big fatso. Go ahead, wear it out. I like it. Big fatso. <laughs> you know what else I like being called? I like being called uh, Pickle Dick. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just couldn't get over when his name was Big Fatso. I was just like, holy fuck. You know, before that, though, the uh, when the cops show up with the general and all those other people, the one cop who ends up like Willis, he's like her friend kind of-ish. Yeah. And he ends up befriending Friend of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he hands her the warrant and he goes, here's a warrant for your arrest. Sorry, it's a little sticky. Yeah. I was like, why <laughs> is it sticky? Ugh, I'm finally arresting Barb. Ugh. Ugh. Every every police officer beat up on it. They all they help get a little bit of splooge onto the onto there. Cause he's like, what guy hasn't had a dream about barbed wire? So Yeah, we got a little round robin together, signed it in semen. Get a circle jerk going on this warrant. Oh god. <laughs> oh. Take that Barb. Yeah, Barb. <laughs> Uh, the character Curly, we haven't really focused too much, uh, on what a weird- Barbed wire's Alfred. (laughs) What a weird character. Oh, yeah. He's a bald guy, which is- They show- Whatever, he's bald. Yeah. But then he puts that curly wig on sometimes. Yeah, when he goes up to see her in her private office, like, who do you think you're fucking kidding? And she immediately just snatches it off, like, come on. Yeah, but why did he ever wear it? It was just because his name was Curly? Don't know. So he had to have a curly wig? Like, well, oh, I there assume, has to be a reason his name is Curly. I assume they nicknamed him Curly just because he was bald like Curly from the Three Stooges. Yeah, so did I, but like I just don't know the, the, the thought process between the behind the wig. No. Like I just uh, I don't I just don't under, didn't understand. Didn't make any it. damn sense. And I was saying we didn't get to really as much as a lot as much as people die in this movie, you don't ever really get to see them die. Yeah. Certain characters, Spike, Commander Spike, uh, her brother gets hung, you just see the hanging body, he just walks in and is Well, they gave him a final torture jolt, and I assume that killed him, because, like, he he falls back and he's just, like, smoking, so I assume he was dead then, then they just hung him later as, like, a thing, like, don't fuck with us. I did love, in Steel Harbor, there were just whores running around everywhere. Oh, yeah. Little whores running around their skimpy little outfits. Little whores running around, shaking their little behinds for all the menfolk. (laughs) They're <laughs> just running around in the streets all over the place. Steel Harbor looked like the worst place ever. And that weird little midget just comes up to harass him for no reason. Like, oh, yeah. He says something like, hey, nice nose. And he just says it in like this ridiculous cartoony voice like that. Like, hey, I'm a midget. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> they just shove him out of the I feel like way. this movie was almost like uh, if in the movie Cool World, the artist who did Cool World yeah. did barbed wire. You like, know what? If they would have did this as a cartoon, it probably would have gone over a lot better. <laughs> or even like a mixture like Cool World was. Like some sort of like... Crossover. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know about that. I don't know. I just it just felt that way. It just had a similar vibe to it. I guess the noir thing because Cool World definitely has that noir aspect to it. That's definitely a movie that we should do on here. Though I really do like Cool World. It has some really just a really bizarre movie. I do, but I do like it. Like you're saying, the grenade thing though was absolutely hilarious. Like oh, and then the best part about the grenade scene that you'd mentioned when they throw the grenade on Big Fatso is that. He, uh, Willis, the police captain or whatever, mm. he gives her the grenade and he goes, Look out! Grenade! <laughs> Literally delivery like that. Well, I was yeah. like, holy shit. I love how they, like, 
play him as like this uh this kind of badass sleazy corrupt cop guy in the beginning of the movie and as it goes on he gets more pussified and then like he's he's more a barb's bitch you know like at the beginning of the movie he's just all like uh, oh i'm extorting you for money that you just got to try to pay your employees or else i'm gonna arrest all your customers for something and then once the the congressional directorate um nazi guys come in they're just like, you give us barbed wire, or I'll personally re- rip your heart out your asshole and shove it back down your throat. And he's just like, well, that's not very sanitary. <laughs> and then when they get in that truck at the end, they all get in that truck she has. She's like, Axel, you drive. And he goes, well, why don't I get to drive? Yeah. I was like, what? What a weird thing for this guy you to say. You pussy little puppy dog bitch. And when she, I don't know how you made and, it as a police and chief. Basically, the entire end of the movie is a giant montage of her driving around on a motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, she's riding around on this thing what seemed like forever. It's just like, when is this going to end? And then Axel is driving this massive, giant, like, food truck that she has. Yeah, it's an armored military, food truck. It really is. Military vehicle. <laughs> and instead of just driving out of the way of what he ends up hitting... There was plenty of room for him to not hit what he hits. Oh, I'm coming at a bus. What should I do? Does this count as an emergency? Yes! Okay, no. He blows up through that, but then he hits the... They go through that, and then... Oh, yeah. There's, like, a wide-open road with, to the right side, some, like, debris in the way for you to hit and t- flip the fucking truck over. To the left side, which is a way bigger space, you could go around it and be safe. What does he do? He drives right into the <laughs> yep. thing and flips the fucking truck over. I was like, dude, that dude but, is fucked up. And well, to be honest, some of the shit that he drove over or through probably should have flipped the truck and it didn't. And the pile that he hit that made it flip probably shouldn't have made it flip. <laughs> it probably would have dented it, might have stopped it, might have jerked it off to the side. It wouldn't have made it flip. <laughs> I don't think. And then Axel... Runs up and he is operating that crane. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. First, they they blow up Big Fatso and the bad guys scatter like the congressional director at Nazis and his gang. So then all of a sudden, I, I think right after she comes out on her motorcycle or maybe before that, all of a sudden they scatter into like these abandoned warehouses that they don't know much about. Suddenly, the Nazi colonel guy, he's got a goddamn forklift. Yeah. Not only does he have a forklift, he knows exactly how to drive it and everything. Well, it made sense because Big Fatso, they were like in that construction type of yard or whatever. So all that equipment was around. So I can see where he got the forklift from. I know, but I really don't see him like getting the training to like, I better make sure I know how to use a forklift yeah. in case this gets fucked well, up. Well, speaking of training, the a crane operator is up yeah. there and Axel goes, how do you use this thing? And the guy tells him how to use it. And then Axel beats him up. Yeah. I was like, why did he beat him up? The guy was a nice guy. He yeah, just told you yeah. how to use it. And a, and a, and a, even funnier, though, is in, in an area that's controlled by Big Fatso's gang. They're all like road warrior-esque thugs. This guy just looks like a normal guy yeah. who would be a crane operator day to day and probably was at this location before they took it over for filming. He's been... So he's just sitting there in his normal street clothes, like just doing his nine to five thing and just like, <laughs> oh, hey, normal crane operator guy. How do you use this thing? Well, dur, dur, dur. okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did he punch him? Like, why is this guy here in the first place? I think a time warp opened or something, and all of a sudden, oh, here's a guy from before the uh, the fall of America. <laughs> he uses the crane, and it has the magnet on it, and he picks up the, the forklift with, with Barb and the... Oh, he used a hook. 
He picked oh, it up hook, by a little yeah. loop thing on yeah. there. And like, of course he managed to get that on the first swing. Yeah, he gets the, he hooks him and he pulls him up. It's Barb and then the commander guy. I don't even know what the fuck his name was. Colonel something. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up. Colonel Prizer. There we go. Colonel Prizer. That sounds German, too. <laughs> it does. Colonel Prizer. <laughs> so when they're up on the thing, they drop the the forklift. Well, he lifts it, and he lifts it up higher and higher, only to find out that, oh, shit, Barb's at a disadvantage and hanging off and could probably die. Do I try to bring it down? No, I'll just bring it up higher, and no, she'll save herself, I guess, maybe, if she's lucky. Which she ends up doing, but... But only just barely. Yeah, just barely. They drop the forklift, and it literally blows up as if you just dropped, like, a tons and tons mm-hmm. of dynamite or something. Like, yep, the she, biggest bomb just went yep, off by dropping a forklift. Grabs onto the crane hook. Okay, let it go now. Oh, it was just... It was like in Steel Justice when, you know, he punches the guy and, like, pulls a pin on the grenade, throws him over the thing, and he blows up on yeah. his way down. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And there, yeah, you'd think there was dynamite or a bomb strapped to this fucking forklift, but nope, it just blew up. You know what? Like, One other explosions. thing among Big Fatso's minions, most of them are like these shitty, scummy road warrior looking guys. Some of them were wearing like these fake faux, like medieval knight's yeah, helmets. Yeah. Why? Why are they wearing knight helmets? <laughs> I don't know, just to look cool, I guess. And the ending is very anticlimactic. I think it was... I think it, they they get to the airport. Oh, we forgot to mention it all the contact lenses, which was I guess that was the plot of the movie. Yeah, retinal scanning's a big thing, and supposedly they've only just uh, these German scientists have only just developed these pair that like will will be recognized as somebody else instead of who you really are, and they they need to smuggle this scientist into Canada, and the only way Canada will take her is if she's you know not antagonistic to the U.S. because apparently she helped them uh, come up with a derivative of HIV called Red Ribbon, which kills a person within 12 hours. And the Canadians are afraid of the U.S. because they're threatening to unleash that on them if they help dissidents escape to Canada for sanctuary. And for whatever reason, she's got the cure to this thing embedded in her DNA somehow. How? (laughs) Why? Who gives a fuck? But this is why she needs to make it intact and get those contact lenses and get to Canada so the cure for Red Ribbon can be discovered and disseminated. And then the the, uh, fascist fucks that have taken over the U.S. will then, you know, have lost their, their big edge and people can move in and really move against them, I guess. Yeah, and she ends up giving the contact lenses to Cora, the doctor, Dr. Karina Devonshire. She, Cora D. Cora D. <laughs> she ends up giving her the lenses so she can get through, because uh, Barb had them on. Uh, like, and then, where are the lenses? Trust me, they're safe. Well, she just pulls them out of her eyes. Oh, here you go. Oh, I'm sure that's sanitary. <laughs> and then Willis is like, where will you go? And Barb's like, well, I hear Paris is nice this time of year. And she flashes her debit card that she got from Big Fatso. Like, would you really trust that that thing was loaded? I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, he said supposedly it was legit, but I wouldn't go putting something like that into the dirty deal I was trying to pull. And then he's like, I do believe I'm falling in love. And she's like, get, get in, in line. line. <laughs> Credits. What a terrible ending, really. It I really... actually liked it. I I enjoyed the, the bad music and sat and watched through the whole credits knowing there wasn't going to be anything at the end just to hear all the music. The music was pretty ridiculous. 
Yeah, I don't know. This movie, it wasn't well, you know, like the whole the whole final fight, like the cloud, the sky isn't cloudy, but then when they get to the airport, suddenly not only it's is raining. it cold, dark, it's just pouring. Yeah, I, I I assume some time had passed. I'm just I'm not really certain. They don't really explain too much about any of that stuff. It, I don't know. It was very anticlimactic ending. I, it, it wasn't what I remembered it being. Uh, I actually think it was. I don't know, it was about the same as what I remember, maybe slightly better. I, It's not a good movie, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> it's just kind of boring. It just, it just, at times, it just, it's just kind of boring. Is it that, is, but, like, I just wanted to see what other stupid shit they'd throw the at us. The movie was actually weird, nominated weird for a number world. of awards, mm-hmm. uh, multiple Razzie Awards, Worst Picture. It, it lost to Striptease. Worst Actress, Worst Screen Couple, Worst Screenplay. Worst new star, which she won the <laughs> Razzie for, and worst original song, Welcome to Planet Boom by Tommy Lee. <laughs> and she was also nominated for an MTV Movie Award in 1997, Best Fight Scene. <laughs> uh, once again, it just shows you MTV has no standards with, whatsoever. With her and Colonel uh, Prizer. Prizer. I did find some really good reviews, though, on uh, on IMDb. Uh, one says, call me babe and you get a shoe in the head. Okay, yes, <laughs> this movie is a cheesy Casablanca ripoff and stars Pamela Anderson Lee and her two biggest assets. <laughs> but give it a chance and you, s- and what you see is a great B-movie that has some good action sequences and funny dialogue. For a movie to be camp, it can't know it, but it is bad. And this one <laughs> thinks it is serious. Yes. You yes, can it does. see Pam... But that doesn't make any sense. That is what a movie, if it's campy, it's usually purposely campy. Uh, no, what about, if they know what it's about campy, Troll 2? That's true. When you see Pam trying to hold her own, and amazingly she does for the most part. <laughs> I love how she dipped down her voice and delivered her lines earnestly. earnestly. She was great. <laughs> I think they need a sequel. Hell, I think she needs a series about this bounty hunter than her bodyguard service. <laughs> Uh, this other review, I'm so glad this movie was made. <laughs> Me too. The guys who read this title will know what I'm talking about in the in this movie, Barbed Wire. Two words, Pamela Anderson. Yes, the same lady you might have seen on Baywatch. With her and the endless, numerous, total exciting action scenes of Barbed Wire, this movie is the bomb. It's exciting, breathless, great, makes even the shyest guy put a huge smile on his face. The next time you have a free night, then buy this DVD. Get some snackage and invite all the guys over to watch this movie. Seriously. Then afterwards, you can watch some football or basketball and watch some dancing action after that. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> on a 11, an 11 on a scale of 1 to 10 action movie. Watch it today. And then one more review that I really, really liked was this one. No one else. Not many actors stumble on a role that seems designed just for them. Barbed Wire wasn't, as it's based on a comic book series. Yet Pamela Anderson was perfect for the role. I've never liked her in those ditzy roles, as while she may not be the brightest girl on earth, she can pull them off. She is far better in a serious, possibly pretend serious role. (laughs) Possibly pretend serious. Anyways, no one else could have fit the role so perfectly, and she really did a great job. 
Sure, people will mock her for being who she is, but if you're open before seeing the movie, she will surprise you. This isn't about showing off Pam's body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> whose fake boobs are not anywhere near as nice as they were before she had them done, but is a decent comic book made into a dynamite film. Pam needs more roles like this, and she should steer clear of the ditzy role she seems to be prefer playing. She's made for this. I'd go see any sequels for this film. An instant hit for anyone who likes a style of slightly corny comic book adaptations. I like how the best line, this isn't all about showing off Pam's body. Nope, That's what the whole fucking movie... Not at all. Not That's, at all. That might as well be the plot for this fucking movie. Seriously. It's just absolutely... And, I, I, and in one of the other reviews, it said, first class camera play, slick choreography, decor to match. There's humor in Anderson's send-up for classic erotica. Find directorship. Directorship? <laughs> is that a thing people say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like fine actorship, too. <laughs> yeah, fine actorship. And actually, uh, the, uh, recently, deceased uh, Roger Ebert was the f- one of the first people to point out that the film's plot was identical mm. to that of Casablanca. <laughs> and it has a 29% approval rating on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Deserving so. Yeah, it's, uh... I wonder if they'll ever remake this movie. Probably. With, um... With the way Hollywood is, and an original idea, we're allergic to that shit. Remakes. Remi- remakes up the ass. We'll get a barbed wire remake. I don't know who would play her nowadays. Christina Hendricks? Too, bu- too, too buxom for this role. Not blonde enough? Hmm. I don't know. I don't feel like thinking about it. I think it just needs to just needs to happen, just like this movie did. Just let it happen. <laughs> just let it happen. Well, oh, it, it, unfortunately. No, speaking of just letting things happen, I say we put a put a question to the listeners. We were going through some some choices for future selections, and Corey pointed out to me one thirteen thirteen Cougar Club. And then decided he didn't want to watch it. No. Because he's afraid of some of the content. But I put it to you, the viewers. <laughs> Check out the trailer for 1313 Cougar Club and Cougar tell cult. us. Cougar 1313 Cougar Cult. It's not that I was afraid to whether, watch it. Tell us whether we should it just, review it. It's just I didn't know how I felt about watching it on my by myself. Well, I, it might be well, weird, weirder it, to watch it, with yeah. a group of guys. Yeah, let's go. Let's get the guys together so you don't feel weird, Corey. Because it's very almost. Let's get the guys together to watch uh, thirteen thirteen Cougar Cult. I don't know if like somebody came downstairs and I was watching that movie. I think well, you know what? Worse has happened to our friend Cody Wyoming, who apparently had uh, a period where his father thought he was gay and walked <laughs> down on him in the basement, only to see him watching American History X for the first time, right in the shower rape scene, and the only thing he could stammer out in his defense was, he's in prison! <laughs> That's so right. I really don't have a problem with watching the 1313 Cougar Call. I was the one that brought it to to our attention, and it does look absolutely ridiculous. There were just some very weird, erotic scenes with these little young men on a bed in their underwear just rubbing all over themselves. It's basically just young men in their underwear running from um, unscary cougars <laughs> who apparently turn into cougars and eat them. <laughs> I think it's right up our alley. It really is. But uh, why don't you let us know? It really is, and I, I think... I think... You know what? This movie... This movie came... The uh, barbed wire came out, and it was coming off the heels of The Mask. With Jim Carrey. Oh, right, so The right, Mask right. was a Dark Horse comic. Yep, yep. 
And it's from the same producers as The Mask. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's come, definitely coming off the, the heels of that. I mean, Dark Horse has had some some hits and some misses with their with their movie adaptations. <coughs> Son of the Mask. Yeah, Son of the Mask. Uh, but, you know, they did 300, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Time Cop, Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was a comic book? Yeah, apparently. Tank Girl. Well, I don't Mystery think people thought, <laughs> I don't think people thought the Tank Girl movie was very good. I still <laughs> no. haven't seen it, but I don't think so. No. I only read the four issue miniseries Tank Girl the Odyssey, and I'll tell you what, I guarantee you a comic book was way better than anything that movie could ever <laughs> oh, be. I'm sh- I from what I remember, Tank Girl is awful. Uh also Mystery Men and the movie Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis. And Alien vs. Predator. But that was already I didn't at least it was a Dark Horse comic, but Son of the Mask, that should be a movie we do one time. Oh, oh God, so oh, no. awful. Jamie Kennedy, Ugh. Alan Cummings, what were is everybody thinking? But next week, we were going to go in the same vein of this movie and go with Rollerball, but we decided to put that on the back burner for a 90s movie, uh, I believe 1992, family movie, 1991, oh. sorry, family movie, The Buttercream Gang. If you're a child of the '90s, you may remember this movie. Uh, I'm sure they, uh, sure they had it in video stores I had all over. I've never heard of it ever. Sure, they had it in video stores all over. I remember watching this in grade school. I remember, I remember them playing this this tape, and somebody recently reminded me of it. And it's very much in the vein of like a Goonies, uh, Apple Dumpling Gang, that type of deal. It looks. It's in full on YouTube. It's not on Netflix this time, but you could just type in Buttergram Gang. Full movie pops up on YouTube. Uh, the tagline, good kids, small town fun, and unconditional love for a struggling friend. Read the summary. Read Here the we summary. Go. Scott, Pete, Eldon, and Lanny. Lanny? Why not Lenny? Share fun and friendship as the Buttercream Gang in the small <laughs> town of Elk Ridge. The group is temporarily separated when Pete moves to Chicago for the school year and falls under the influence of a local gang. <laughs> when he returns to Elk Ridge, unexpectedly, his friends notice he has changed. As Pete struggles, old friendships are challenged and the boys learn the true meaning of unconditional love. See that? Go to the city, you join a gang. You're probably on drugs and having the sex, too. Probably. Probably. But we get we get all the fun of the Buttercream Gang and their... <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over that title. Sounds like a porn. Yeah, like thirteen thirteen Cougar Cult sounds less like a yeah, like a homoerotic porno than the Buttercream Gang does. And considering it's a kids movie, like oh, the Buttercream Gang, I feel like I'm going to get put on a watch list for watching this movie. <laughs> it's, it's produced and distribu- and distributed by Feature Films for Families, strengthening <laughs> traditional values through entertainment, aka Triple F Bomb Pictures. <laughs> Yeah, it should be really, really interesting to watch. Even on the back of the VHS tape, uh, the picture of it on online, there's five questions, parents' guide for family discussion. Oh, don't, don't read we it. Answer. No, yeah. no, no, no. We're going to link it. We're going to link this image so people will know what we're talking about in the the summary thing for this episode. Oh, yeah. And then um, put a link to find it on YouTube, there too. Is, but... This movie did get a DVD release. <laughs> Wow, I wonder if it still comes with the discussion questions. <laughs> I hope there's like a, a extras on the disc where it's like a person from the or like a person asking you the questions. Oh yeah, somebody like uh, 
a shitty like uh, VHS copy. They just transferred to DVD in like this old crappy cable access studio. Like, well, question one. You can also call 100 Family TV. I wonder if and, that's still uh, good. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. So, yeah, next week, the Buttercream Gang. <laughs> so, look out for the Buttercream Gang. It's on YouTube. It'll be our movie next week. I'm sure it'll be a fantastic one. Just judging... I honestly haven't seen this movie since I was, like, seven years old. And I really don't remember much about it other than they had a treehouse. I'd never even heard of it, so this is completely new territory. Honestly, it'll be all new for me because I don't... I don't remember anything about it other than the name and then they had a treehouse. <laughs> so, and I can get that from the cover alone, so... That'll be our movie next week, The Buttercream Gang. So, uh, check that out. Check out Barbed Wire if you're looking for a movie with some uh, girls, guns, and... Uh, Boobs. Lots and lots of boobs. Because there's plenty of uh, cleavage to go around. <laughs> in Pamela Girls, guns, and uh, boobs. <laughs> Just boobs. <laughs> well, I was going to say G-strings, but they, she doesn't really wear G-stringed. No, no. Surprisingly no. enough. Surprisingly enough. Girls, guns, and uh, midgets. Midgets. Well, actually, just the one, but <laughs> girls, guns, and midget. That's what I look for in a movie. <laughs> So if you look forward, if you look for in movies, Girls, Guns, and a Midget, uh, you're going to get this. You're going to get what you got in Barbed Wire. So check that out. We had uh, an interesting time watching that. So, uh, and tune in next week for the Buttercream Gang. If we're going to cream. Be prepared. A discussion will follow our normal discussion. <laughs> some Some serious, we're going to break down some serious family issues. Well, uh, we watched the Buttercream Gang. God, I can't stop laughing every time I say Buttercream Gang. So, for B-Movie Breakdown, I'm Corey. I'm DRC. And, uh, better go wipe the buttercream off my dick. It's the best of the worst.